Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, where we hear from all types of fascinating tango professionals. We hear about their experiences, their insights, and through that, we figure out ways to improve our own tango. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, thanks to all you newcomers and first-timers out there. I'm really happy to have you with us. And don't hesitate to check out the previous episodes. You will find answers to many of your tango questions. I'm really liking the feedback I've been getting from many of you, so if you ever want to reach out for any reason, don't hesitate to send me a message at wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. To help keep the podcast going, I'm also accepting donations through PayPal. There's a link in the description and also one on the podcast website. Thanks for your support. Okay, my guest today was born in Hawaii and has been dancing all her life. She started at the age of six with the world-famous San Francisco School of Ballet. She has experience with jazz, modern, competitive ballroom, flamenco, hula, and theater dance. She has participated in many productions and spent years touring with a number of famous musical artists, including Liza Minnelli. She's been reviewed by the New York Times as a choreographer for off-Broadway productions, and she also helped choreograph live televised events such as Miss Universe, Miss USA, and Miss Teen USA. On top of that, today's guest has appeared in major network TV programs, in films, commercials, and fashion magazines. Of course, along the way, she discovered Argentine tango and has participated in events and taught in workshops all over the world. And with me now is Michelle Lamb. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you here. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. All right, so Michelle, so you've had a ton of dance experience. You've been dancing ever since you were a little kid. How is it that you fell in love with Argentine tango? Mm. Well, I was always in love with the like the MGM dream sequences mm. um, from old Hollywood. So it was always kind of like, you know, the man and the woman and, and mm. the dancing together and stuff like that. Mm. So... I think I was always kind of looking for partner dancing, Mm -hmm. um, which is why I got into some ballroom dancing for a little bit. But tango was much more appealing to me because of its, like, the social dancing aspect was so much stronger. I always wanted to dance in heels and be a girl. Mm -hmm. So I have a partner who was a boy. So all of that, I think, was the the draw from, from my first steps as a dancer. Nice. Nice. So what was your very first tango lesson like? Oh, <laughs> let me see. Uh, without mentioning names, I guess mm. I should say, I took a very franchised beginning tango lesson at a ballroom studio. Mm-hmm. And it was with a quite a famous person, but the way of, of teaching tango was, you know, they would separate the curls and the guys mm-hmm. on two sides of the room and you just memorize the basic eight basically so after an hour of that i was kind of like oh this is this is sort of boring <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of boring but what kept you going with it well i didn't <laughs> oh. oh you did <laughs> I, I i went wow this is not interesting to me and then it's funny my mom always loved tango so she would send me like mm-hmm. she would send me tons of videos and music and it was all like this super super dramatic stuff <clears throat> and even the the shows were like this 
style of show dancing that was not my cup of tea either. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was exposed to it a lot, but I wasn't really interested in it Mm -hmm. until much later, years and years later. Okay. Okay. So you eventually you came back to it at some point. Yeah. So I had taken a show in New Orleans. Mm. I I had done like a year of, you know, eight shows a week or something. Wow. And then I was still taking ballet classes, but I was starting to get a little hungry for something and dance again. Mm-hmm. And I was walking with a friend of mine past the Blue Nile, which is a little live music bar on mm-hmm. Frenchman Street. Mm-hmm. And there was tango dancing going on with a live band. Mm. And so my friend who was a writer, he just kind of shoved me in the room. He took this, you know, the books I had out of my arms, shoved me in the room. (laughs) Some guy came up and asked me to dance. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he was from ballroom studio and he could lead the basic eight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So I could could follow. It was bad enough that I could follow. Mm -hmm. And then I I got interested again. And lucky for me, there were some really uh, exciting instructors at the time coming through New Orleans. Like, Mm. Uh, Mario Consiglieri was probably the first one that really got me interested, and Mariana Galassi was mm-hmm. fabulous. Yeah, uh, Fabian Salas came through later on with Carolina. Anyway, that was enough exposure to this other style of uh, social dancing and mm-hmm. quality of movement that I hadn't seen yet. Mm. Yeah, it's nice you get to work with uh, Mariana Galassi. Yeah, she was one of my first teachers way, way, way back. She's, yeah, she's yeah, she's lovely. She's yeah. very special. Yeah. Okay, so I ask this question a lot. What's some really good or memorable advice that you received from some of your teachers that helped shape your growth as a tango dancer? Um, I think I didn't. I didn't really get so much advice. Um, for me, it was more like uh, I was mm-hmm. encouraged a lot, so I continued dancing. When I was at a loss, I would, you know, I would try to have a conversation with someone and. And basically, I would my my concerns would just be sort of reassured. The things that I was going through were not unusual, and even at a very very high level, other women as followers yeah. were going through similar. And again, I, I will not name names, yeah. <laughs> unless it's really really good good happy sure. stuff. Sure, yeah, that's fine. Name the names. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point you bring up. I mean, is this because we think of dance instruction as you know, the nuts and bolts, the, like you said, learning the basic aid or something technique oriented, but yeah, but just that encouragement from, from other people can really, can really go a long way as well. Yeah. I think because I didn't study long-term mm-hmm. with anybody really, I was only exposed to, you know, really talented people, a group class here. I think I, I only had a, a single private lesson with mm-hmm. publicly. I say that's kind of a funny story, but anyway, it was a very internal process for me. And I think because of my professional dancing background and, you know, what happened with Mm. me and Murat and everything, I sort of was out there and traveling around really early in my Mm. my tango Mm. dancing life. So uh, my uh, interaction with people was not Mm -hmm. typical, I don't Mm -hmm. think. Homer Lattice did say something Mm -hmm. really funny to me. I think I was going through one of my, you know, I'm just going to quit periods and and he, he, he's very, you know, kind of some uh, sensitive. He's dancing with me and he just kind of looked deeply into my eyes and was like, just just stick with it for five years. Just give it five years and, you know, mm. it's going to be okay. So seven years later, I see him and I'm like, you totally <laughs> lied to me. <laughs> and he's like, well, I thought you could mm. hold on for five years. Seven years sounds like too long. <laughs> yeah, Homer's great too. 
So yeah, just kind of a, a segue from from like I said, a lot of the the internal process. So you have taught and traveled internationally, and you see so many students every year. Is there a common mistake or some sort of misconception that you find yourself having to correct again and again, regardless of the different over yeah. and over? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, of course. I think you know. Uh, we're we're all two people on two legs with similar kinds of eyes and ways of seeing things. And so there are many, many things that, that we mm-hmm. all have to go through. I, I haven't really seen anybody not experience mm-hmm. this process. For some of us, it's long. For mm-hmm. some of us, it's shorter. What I feel like from my movement background is that maybe it has something to do with our fight and flight response that we need to sort of recognize things in the fastest way and and digest it really quickly right to understand what it is you know if it's a threat or whatever but i feel like when we look at movement we we kind of trick ourselves into trying to understand it in a really two-dimensional way and then from our own perspective so we become sort of like these stick figures with these two eyes Mm -hmm. on the top of our head and we just think that you know when we move we move in the certain way that we're comfortable with and unfortunately, it's like it takes a lot of time to to see that movement differently and experience mm-hmm. it three dimensionally. Um, and I think that's why it's such a painful process. Also, our bodies are and our minds are so uh, amazing at adapting to any kind of repetitive mm-hmm. motion that we do and speeding up the process, speeding up the process. So the brain is not even involved anymore. So when you're trying to change the patterns of something that you do every day, like walking, that's why people walk into the room normally and like you talk about walking and suddenly they're walking like (laughs) Frankenstein. Yeah. Because we're not used to analyzing that process. And when we do, all we do is we muck it up really bad. And we have to go through that in order to make it become a conscious Mm -hmm. thing again. And then we can go back to speeding it up and and not thinking about it so that's the Mm. whole process i think of recognizing Mm. broken patterns introducing new patterns and then getting back to that sort of more mindless Mm. state yeah yeah just that you made me think of uh just you know when i was first starting out i think a lot of people went through this too and when i take a side step or a forward step i just be okay here then where then where? Then here? Then here? Then it's like no, no, no. There's this whole in between. Uh, right. Like, oh, really? And that, yeah, that kind of blew my mind. Exactly. And like you said, I was walking like Frankenstein for a while until. Yeah, like every mm-hmm. single thing, we understand it in the simplest way we can, which is basically you know very linear, and everything we realize is actually very, very circular, in spiraling mm-hmm. even, and that's. You know, it takes a while to wrap yeah, your mind around yeah, that. It feels great once you do. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. doesn't it, though? <laughs> so, Michelle, given your extensive background in many different kinds of dances, was there anything about tango that surprised you or stood out as unique? Oh, my God. I think it was the, I'd have to say it's the actual, the, the following aspect. The, you know, truly becoming a vessel for another person's idea or mm. impulsive movement because I had been such a trained dancer I was so good at mm. moving myself that I think for five years I didn't realize that I was actually you know blocking whatever that was it was like I I had developed so many skills about looking and feeling and understanding mm. and then doing but I was never really allowing 
the operation of my physical mm-hmm. body to a force mm-hmm. other than myself. And I struggled yeah. with that for a long yeah. time. So in all your years of teaching, Michelle, what have you learned from your own students? Oh, everything. You know, I think uh, maybe I'd, I'd learn something from, you know, watching or something somebody mm-hmm. said or a class. But the the process of actually trying to break that thing down and see how somebody else is, is struggling with it is, that's the only way I think that you really, you understand mm-hmm. it thoroughly. Because it's more than your own perspective. Yeah. You can't You can't really, you know, understand the thing all the way around if you're only looking mm-hmm. at it from one direction. So, yeah, I think every person that I've worked with has mm-hmm. really helped me. Not to understand the material, but also to understand how to talk about mm-hmm. the material and demonstrate the material and create the sensation of, you know, whatever it is mm-hmm. we're trying to do. Yeah. And it's just really neat to see the the many different ways that people think and people learn. Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. really incredible, especially when they think and learn in really yeah. different ways than you do. <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess I have some people, you know, sometimes I'm sure you've met some people who are, they're more comfortable if they actually see what you're doing. And then there are some people who are more comfortable when you're, mm-hmm. like you said, explaining. So that's, yeah. Right. And and then and then there are these these other people that are just so mm-hmm. natural. If you, you know, let them experience something mm-hmm. one time, yeah. they've got it. And I have this new student right now that's mm-hmm. really unusual. I've never had a student like this before. He actually has a lot of um anxiety about dancing, like serious serious anxiety. So he's doing it to sort of overcome that. Um, but he's also very intelligent and has had a lot of background in movement and martial arts and things like that. So it's funny because he wants to spend a lot of time mm-hmm. discussing, you know, what we're about to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I finally realized that it if I can say it in the way that he mm-hmm. understands it, he'll stand up and he'll he'll get it right mm-hmm. the very first time. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's the way he learns. So that's cool. I'm I'm learning about teaching that way more because he he is not gonna his body is not gonna relax and and be cooperative until his mind really feels like it has a handle on the situation and hopefully you know eventually we'll 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 get to another place Mm -hmm. where you know that Mm -hmm. becomes more balanced but this is how he needs to learn right now yeah so sort of related to teaching michelle what what's your personal strategy on how to introduce musicality to beginners musicality to beginners well like i say they have to mm-hmm. they have to hear the music mm-hmm. right so it's nice to just take the the dancing off of the mm-hmm. plate and let them sit and relax and just hear some music and point their attention towards certain mm-hmm. things like you know the feeling of of beginning and continuing and mm-hmm. resolve and if you can connect that to kind of mundane mm-hmm. activities like how you decide to do something, you go do this, the thing, mm. and then it's done. You know, or the way that we talk, the mm. way that we converse. If you can create little mm-hmm. exercises where they can just, you know, find that story, the beginning, mm. the middle, the end, and then have them walk around to the music with mm. that kind of a feeling without having to do the lead and follow so that the follower is mm-hmm. more active. And then you can put them together and just have them decide when's the mm-hmm. good place to start think that okay this is a good place to be doing some kind of Mm -hmm. continuous movement and here we definitely need to take a break (laughs) yeah that would be my beginning class for musicality 
Yeah. So do you, do you think of musicality differently when you're following as opposed to leading? Mm, yeah, I think so. I think when I'm following, I feel like I have much more creative mm. license. Interesting, right? Because, because the, someone else is taking mm -hmm. care of the material. I, I'm free to just listen to the music and, and do the material in the way that I feel. And for me, I've, mm -hmm. I feel like there's a, there's a huge range of, of choices and mm. nuances mm -hmm. there for me. But when I'm leading, you know, I'm, I, I find myself as sort of like a, like an in intermediate level leader. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe I have a good quality of movement, but I've got a pretty mm. small vocabulary and, I'm, I, I have a style of leading that I think is very, um, it's dependent on mm -hmm. the follower too. So I think I would be a very boring leader, basically. <laughs> no, I'm sure that's not true. <laughs> uh, it's pretty true. I mean, I, I, I suppose there, I have mm -hmm. some qualities, but I'm still really mm -hmm. early on that trajectory of uh, development myself. When, when did you first try leading? Was it just for fun or was it during a class? I always mm. have tried. I think, you know, from the very beginning, you know, there's often uh, times when classes don't have enough leaders and there's too mm. many followers. And I'd, I'd rather be doing something, you know, than yeah. waiting for a partner. I had a, a girlfriend early on who was really into mm. leading and following. And we took some classes together and, uh, you know, it's move. It's movement. It's movement to me. I I like the role mm -hmm. of following mm -hmm. more myself, um, but I've never not been curious about the role of leading. And I think in the end, that the two are just different sides of the yeah. you know the same coin. Yeah, yeah. It's always interesting to to try the different role. It's uh, often very helpful. Yeah, and I think I you know I had a pretty uh, I, I was talented at it because I, again yeah. I was so skilled ju at mm -hmm. just moving myself. I think I just lack the hours on the dance floor, you know, to develop, you know, a style of leading and all that. And I'm not sure if I'm really all that dedicated to it because I really mm. do like to follow. Mm. Nice. Yeah, I had a, there was a, somebody in a group class that, that a, a while back and then we really didn't like each other. But then when we switched roles at one point where we kind of came to this conclusion of, oh, that's what I've been putting you through. <laughs> <laughs> And then after that, we, we became much better friends. But it was it was really funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's true. Like, um, everybody should be mm -hmm. in that situation for yeah. exactly that reason. But it frustrates me when I see really super, super uh, passive followers mm -hmm. that are just, like, putting all the responsibility on this poor <laughs> little leader guy, you know? Yeah. So painful. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Michelle, I want to change gears a little bit to a performance. So you have participated in a number of performances, not just in, in tango, but just in your, uh, in your professional dance background. But in terms of tango, what are some things to keep in mind when it comes to performing? Like, I guess for students who are interested in, in performing, that's different from dancing socially. Hmm. So you, it, it sounds kind of like you're asking, you know, um, advice for someone who is maybe interested in going in that direction. Yeah, yeah. Either, <clears throat> either becoming serious at performing, or maybe just to, hey, I want to perform maybe for a showcase or, mm, yeah, right, mm -hmm. right. Well, because <clears throat> of, of course, it, it would depend on the style of dance that you're you're thinking about doing. Mm -hmm. 
um, if you were going to do an improvised demonstration, yeah. then I would say dance a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, mm. um, especially with the person that you're you're going to try and you know do the demo with because mm -hmm. you need you need to know each other so well and you need to be so much more comfortable mm -hmm. when there's not a whole bunch of other people dancing around you and everyone is staring at you <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. you know it, it 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 just always will create another level of tension that will get in the way of whatever kind of communication you have going mm -hmm. already mm -hmm. so it you it behooves you to just try and get as comfortable as you possibly can with each other. Mm -hmm. If you're doing some kind of choreograph thing, mm -hmm. same thing. It just means you need to practice a lot, uh -huh. right? So maybe for one, you would dance at the milongas a ton and you would do some rehearsals. Mm -hmm. I think for the other one, um, you would rehearse in the studio a lot, but it would also be super nice if you could do some social dancing together too, mm -hmm. you know? I think the best couples are excellent at, at both sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the improvisational stuff is really important too. You know, if you can, if you can dance and be aware of what your surroundings are like. Mm -hmm. You know, where the people are, where you are on the floor, what yeah. kind of floor you're on. If it's a stage, if it has a front, if it's circular, if it's a studio, mm -hmm. all super different. Things always go wrong, so <laughs> you know the improvisational stuff helps you with that also. Yeah. Your partner's clothes will fall off, a <laughs> shoe will get broken or fall off. Mm -hmm. Floor is slippery, floor is sticky. Mm -hmm. I think the, the important thing is always to prepare yourself as much as you can, mm -hmm. be as, as good and respectful with your partner as you can, mm -hmm. and then have fun and, and just be as in the moment as you can be and don't lose your sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think uh, performances are really touching to me when I have a sense of the, the person mm -hmm. that's there and dancing mm -hmm. and the... And so that, again, takes comfort, being able to be yourself under that mm -hmm. kind of pressure. Yeah. Yeah, but when it, when it comes to choreography, I mean, you've had a lot of experience um, with with that, I think even before you got into to tango. So when you choreograph a tango performance, is it really different from your previous experience with, with dance and performance? Well, uh, actually, it's funny because... Um, I came from a, you know, choreographed individual dancing mm -hmm. background. When I started doing tango, I only did improvisational dance for most of my tango career. Oh. Occasionally, I would have to do um, some bit of a choreography, mm -hmm. and it was always really stressful for me. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because I think when I, when I was dancing by myself, I felt just responsible for myself, and I could you know, I was okay with that. You mm -hmm. know, I, I had prepared myself as much as I could. I knew it was either going to be, you know, fine or if something went wrong, I could take care of it and hardly anybody else would know. Mm -hmm. But when I started dancing with a partner, I started feeling re really responsible. And um, I found that to be very stressful. Mm -hmm. And also when I would perform by myself, I felt like I was more into a character so I could kind of like escape into La La Land. And <laughs> it wasn't really me if, if, if things were falling apart. Mm -hmm. But again, in... Argentine tango it's it was me and my partner and I felt responsible and it was me <laughs> <laughs> so that started to get really stressful and then to have to switch from improvising to a bit of a 
choreographed piece was hard for me. Mm. Recently, I started dancing with um, Ana Padron and Diego Blanco, mm. their Tango for All company here mm. in New York. Nice. And that's really been my first attempt at dancing very choreographed material. And their material is very challenging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's amazing. I think it's it's the best mm -hmm. dance work I've ever done. And I'm, I feel so blessed and happy to be working with them. Nice. And it's beautiful because it's still very led and followed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and it's that much more challenging when you dance with a group and your different bodies leading and following mm -hmm. the same material and trying to keep the timing together. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of work, but it's really satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That kind of segues into to the next thing I want to talk about is, uh, you know, how this dance, there's always something new to learn. So yeah, that's definitely, you know, something you're, you're experiencing with more choreography. So even though you've had so much experience, Michelle, what's something else that's, new that you've learned recently perhaps in the last few months or years <laughs> well funny you should ask <laughs> <laughs> i have recently tried aikido and for me this is terrifying and and i really i love it mm -hmm. i feel like i'm terrible at it you know just to like stay in the room and complete the class mm -hmm. i feel so proud of myself <laughs> <laughs> and i've never quite experienced like just my sheer lack of ability in a in a activity but the instructor is really really inspiring mm -hmm. and the the other students and the other black belts around are like not just great people but just so inspiring mm. that i i'm i'm really i i have taken a break because i was traveling a lot mm -hmm. but i have the full intention of going back and just slowly mm -hmm. learning <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so has your background in, in tango, has it uh, been any kind of advantage in learning Aikido? So far, I don't think so. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you never know how things cross over, but sometimes uh, maybe they don't. I, I, I think maybe I, I have a, kind of a, a deep sense of some of the philosophical philosophical uh, ideas, mm. you know, in, in Aikido or in martial arts in general. Mm -hmm. And it's coming from my understanding of force applied to the body mm. and sort of a, a meditative state. And mm -hmm. I, so I feel like on an intellectual level, I can understand a lot about it, mm. but on, on a, a physical level, I feel like a total idiot right now, <laughs> <laughs> which is great for me. It's really kind of fun and exciting. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the other thing is that I just don't have a very, uh, there's not an aggressive bone in my body. Mm -hmm. So the act of trying to be aggressive mm. is really weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Control. But good aggression. for me. Yeah. 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 All right. When it comes to tango, Michelle, you know, sometimes we we can really shape the course you know, of, of where we want to take it as, as teachers, like this, these are our goals this is what we want to do. But sometimes opportunities come, unexpected things happen in a good way uh, that lead us on mm -hmm. different paths. So, yeah. So what advice do you have, I guess, for, you know, er, people, those who are early in their teaching careers when it comes to tango, you know, how much of it should be goal oriented versus being open to, to see where the tango journey might take them? Wow, that's another difficult question. <laughs> Your thoughts? Um, yeah. I, 
Yeah, yeah, just my thoughts. I don't have an answer for that. I think it's definitely important to be to be prepared, but to be open. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, even in a in an individual class, private lesson, group class, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You you have an idea, maybe, of something that you're interested in, or something that you think is necessary for you know your clientele. And you know, at, at different levels, like if it's a big workshop, mm-hmm. I'll. I'll I'll plan a a whole class over and over, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Like I'll have I'll have five different versions of a class, mm-hmm. or even different classes, and and just the act of of planning that is is a great preparation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's really important to have like a, a nice opening mm-hmm. that is social that people can get comfortable and get to know each other. Mm-hmm. A couple of fun and silly breaks throughout the class mm-hmm. that sort of reset the energy. Yeah. And then you definitely want to come to some kind of really great end statement or something playful about, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a vocabulary-based class that you just did or something deep about the connect. You want to have some sort of really mm-hmm. thought-provoking re- resolution so you kind of tie up the, the package in a bow. Mm-hmm. So it's wonderful to have that in mind and to be aiming for that. But once mm-hmm. you get in the room, I think you you have to interact with who's in front of you and, and what the needs are. Mm-hmm. So the class, one of the classes you planned might be perfect or you might just have to toss the whole thing out and, mm. and, and follow what you feel. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be a great class as long as you do those two things. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's uh, very difficult to teach a good class if you feel conflicted at all. Uh. Like if you feel like you're doing this, but you should be doing that, mm-hmm. You have to really find that place where where you feel that you are doing the right thing, mm-hmm. and that makes it more likely. And then, as far as like the overall trajectory of your path, it's it's kind of it's not up to you. Yeah, I think you know, opportunity presents itself and and takes you here and there, and you meet people, and it's just a, a kind of an evolving process. Mm-hmm. Myself, I wish I'd be better at at uh, trying to to plan things out Mm -hmm. but but then again i'm also really grateful for just the way that things have sort of wandered for me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah tango such a fascinating journey for everybody isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. never boring right yeah it's true definitely true (laughs) okay michelle this has been a lot of fun so uh where do we find out more about you online well someday i'll publish my website (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i think there's there's a bunch of things out there, some articles and interviews and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So if you look, you can find it. But uh, I need to do a better job of promoting myself at this point. I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. All right. Definitely. That's good. Okay, Michelle. Well, thanks again for taking the time to talk to me. I know you have a very, very busy schedule, but it's glad I got to catch you while you had a, had a few moments free. Yeah. Uh, can I ask you a question? Absolutely. So what is uh, what are your uh, goals or reasons for, for doing these interviews? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. Uh, it's another, well, first off, I started off as, as another uh, teaching tool for students. I mean, uh, when you take workshops with teachers, very often it's about the the focus of what they're teaching, like sacadas or boleos or, or what have you. And then I've always noticed that teachers, they would always insert some nuggets of wisdom or something from their own experience that was really fun to listen to. But usually it's at the last five minutes of class. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I remember one day I just happened to bump into uh, Oliver Kolker after a um, after workshop, and he just said, "Oh, how how are you doing, man?" And said, "Oh, great." And I, I actually liked this little simple thing that he had introduced in a class, and he just started talking and talking and and extrapolated on it more and more. And I thought, "Oh my gosh, I wish I had a tape recorder to get this." And I, I and I have that more and more as I would talk to uh, teachers outside of class. And I thought, you know, maybe I should start a podcast and get this down to hear, you know, about teachers, their personal journeys, their philosophies. And, and yeah, because we don't really get to hear this, uh, hear the fear from the side of, of, of people like you. So. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 Oliver was uh, my first tango demonstration partner. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. A little while back. I remember last time I had a workshop with you was in uh, July at the Windy City Tango Festival. And uh, while you were mm-hmm. teaching with, uh, with Damien Thompson, are you coming back again in July? Yeah. Yeah. I plan on being there. So cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. See you then. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Michelle. Thank you for asking me. It's really a pleasure. Yeah. And great questions. <laughs> yeah, I try. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care and safe travels to where you're headed next. Thank you. Okay. That was fun. Michelle brought up a good point about encouragement that as we learn or help others to learn, Communicating technical instruction is necessary, obviously, but offering encouragement is just as important. We can't just hear about what we're doing right or wrong. Receiving motivation is also a major factor. Another thing that really stood out to me during our conversation was Michelle's thoughts on understanding movement. As tango students, we often try to learn a new step in the simplest way we can, and we try to burn through it quickly so as to get on to the next thing. But if we do that, it's not going to work. As Michelle pointed out, there are more dimensions to tango movement than we might realize, whether we're dealing with simple pivots or walking steps. There's more action and detail in our bodies we need to be aware of, and we need to slow down our thinking at first in order to manage it. Very important point to remember. So thanks again, Michelle, for your time and for sharing your thoughts. And thanks to all you listeners for tuning in. I'm incredibly grateful to have you as a listening audience. If you're enjoying the show, please take a quick moment to subscribe and please leave a five-star rating and review. That helps a lot. Thanks for your support. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.